0: He's the managing director at Ferguson Ventures. So Blake, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Tats. So, so Blake, you started in the uh, with the the marketing degree, and you what you got into Ferguson. Was that sort of your your first choice? How did you, how did you uh, sort
1: of connect with Ferguson? Yeah, so I connected. I went to Auburn, and I connected with Ferguson at a career fair down in Auburn, and. You know, really the first entrance of, of, you know, my knowledge about Ferguson was my brother who told me, hey, you got to go somewhere that has a, a good sales management program or a career development type program so that it's not just a, you're coming in to do a sales job. It's about growing as a, as a business leader. And so that's why I chose Ferguson because of that, that program.
0: Wow. Okay. Well, walk me through that sort of sales management or development program. Like what, how how did it sort of interface with your day to day?
1: Yeah. So when you, what's funny is you, you go through school for however long, I don't know, 16 years could be, (laughs) could be a little bit more for others. And you're, you're coming out of school and you think that you're going into whatever your job is. And at Ferguson, the perfect part is you go right into the warehouse Mm. and you're picking orders. And at the time, it seems a little odd to have some steel-toed boots and be in the warehouse and and pick orders. But it's something that you need if you're going to be successful in in this business, which for us as a value-added distributor, it's all around picking the right products and having the right products. And so putting your hands on products, making sure that the order that you pick is 100% and is what the customer needs really sets you up for success long term. Because you, you know how the warehouse works and you know the back-end functions necessary to to create customer value.
0: Mm, okay. So were you doing sales function? Was it a cross-training or was it just a track where they where they start you at the base of the business and then funnel you into other aspects of the business? How how did that work?
1: Yeah. So it's probably around you know, four to six months. And you start out in the warehouse. You go into shipping. You go into returns and then you come onto the counter, you work our counter for a good amount of time and really interact face to face with the customers. And then eventually you move into our inside sales pit. And so when you're when you're hired in the beginning, you're hired to be an inside sales associate, but you get tracked all the way through the business so that once you're in the in the pit, you understand when you Press enter on that order. All the stuff that has to happen for that customer to get delivery.
0: Oh, that's awesome! I think uh, a lot of times there's a lot of friction between the sales. I guess sometimes it's a silo and the operation side. So basically, they start you off on the other side so they they understand what you're doing when
1: you do something or you promise something to a client. It's a relationship business. So Ferguson's business is built on the relationships that we have with customers. But when you're in that warehouse, you're making relationships with the associates that, that will help you and help the customer be successful long term. So, yeah, it's a, great, it's a great place to start for a salesperson. It's right in the, in the heart of the operation. Mm. So from there, how did you sort of progress through? I think you got into
0: a bit more of the e-commerce side and maybe more of the outside side of the business, outside sales. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, so I did, I did inside sales for about five years in Beltsville, Maryland. And then right around 2010, there was the beginning of B2B websites. Hmm. It's kind of crazy to look back on, but back in 2010, there were websites, there was e-commerce, but contractors weren't necessarily using them to purchase products from, from Ferguson, and so I joined the team of e-business development managers, and started to really position Ferguson Online at the time. Now it's Ferguson.com to our B2B customers and to our contractor customers, and really sit down with them and say, "Hey, you know what? What is your process? How how do you purchase? How do you replenish your warehouse stock, your truck stock, and start to understand the pain points that our customers have." And then, really, we started building out tools, e commerce tools, to solve the pain points and really make sure that they can purchase efficiently from Ferguson using those tools. And so I did that for about, I'd call it seven or eight years. And at first, I ran the, or I I worked in the East region and then the Central region uh, of the US. And then eventually, I took over the team as a director of e-business. And that was the job that I held before I I started at Ferguson Ventures.
0: Yeah. So I noticed you, and this is probably the education focus, is you took a bunch of courses on venture venture capital and innovation. And one of them stood up for me is that you you went to a course with the Clayton Christensen, the, the late Clayton Christensen. How was that?
1: It was awesome. I mean, I mean, it was it was virtual, but it's really well done. The user experience through their virtual platform at uh, Harvard Business School is, I'd say, top notch. You're engaging with other people. It was it was well done. But I'm trained as a salesperson, right? So I'm a salesperson. When I was in business, I was riding with five salespeople a week, and going and seeing five customers a day, and so my my focus for about seven years was sitting in the car with sales reps, understanding their day, understanding the challenges they're trying to solve with their customers, and then walking into a new contractor five times a day. And every single time really having to understand, like I said, what what's your business? Where are you struggling? Where are we winning together? Where can we do better? And starting to fit new solutions that they weren't used to from Ferguson into that world. And so that's what I did for seven, eight years. And when we started looking at, when Ferguson started looking at the areas of innovation and disruption and and thinking about new technologies coming into construction and and, and property management and how that could either amplify the Ferguson value prop or how it might detract from the Ferguson value prop and, and even amplify or detract from our customer's value in the market, we started looking at corporate venture and really also involving innovation and so what i wanted to do before i stood up a ferguson ventures group and really got after it was go learn from the best and so clayton christensen who wrote innovators dilemma and and really wrote the book around what disruption is and is not really gave me the frameworks to at least understand what disruption is and then how to think about it
0: yeah no he's he's definitely a kind of paved the way we were so fortunate enough to have uh, Tony Elwick, which was an innovator solution. Like uh, I think Clayton Christiansen referenced him. So he's talked about jobs to be done. So there's, there's lots of cool, cool things to, to learn about that. What sort of uh, insights sort of guide you along what, what has been like innovation is such a big area. What sort of key insights sort of guide that process for you?
1: Yeah, I think, the, the, the biggest key is one thing that you just said around the job to be done. So really the end user is the one who will adopt new technologies or new business models in the form of services or products. And so understanding the customer, understanding their needs, really thinking about what their journey is through their day, and then how you could come in and solve one problem or two problems for them in the form of a new service or a new product. And so, you know, some of the frameworks were around, there's sustaining innovation. And that's really what you do internally. So as we're a a corporation, so internally, we have sustaining innovation, which allows us to provide better services to our customers tomorrow than we did today, right? And really, all the innovation internally is sustaining. And then looking at it as external forces are disruption, and really disruption is typically, and, and this is what you know Clayton had in his in his program and in his theory is there's low end disruption and then there's new market disruption. And so really that's a that's a page that I took out of his book and started thinking about the low end and where a new business model, a cheaper business model built on today's technology could come in and potentially disrupt not only Ferguson, but our customers and how we could best position them for the future. And then also new markets. So new services that aren't on offer today, uh, because maybe something is, is not accessible for a certain customer base or you know technology was too hard one day or, or back in the day. And new technologies are making things more accessible. And so new markets can occur. Yeah, for sure.
0: So I guess the the thing that comes to mind is you're early in on the or relatively early in on the B2B space with websites, and you've executed on that. How does the your online presence interface with your B2B, I guess, sales network?
1: Yeah. The the way we put it together is, is really a model for how I think you should do it. The, the website does not compete with our sales reps. The website supports the sales reps. So we, we really think about how can we help our sales reps have a better digital relationship with their customer while they're engaging in that physical relationship. So that's it. And that's the reason why, you know, for eight years, I would, I would ride with the sales reps and we would go on sales calls together. Because I was there supporting his or her business, they weren't there supporting mine. Mm. And, and it was, it was their customer's account. And any order that they dropped, it would go to that sales rep. Any communication that they had, it would go to that sales rep. So really, if you think about your B2B tools as a way to support your in-field sales organization, it's a way to be successful.
0: With Ferguson's sales team, is it all in-house or is it independent? I, I, I'm not familiar with uh, how it, the linkage works.
1: Yeah, so I'll talk a little bit on about Ferguson if that makes sense, and then, yeah. and then answer that. So Ferguson is a value-added distributor, and what I mean by that is we've got 28,000 associates in the U.S., 1,400 branches in the U.S., and we've got thousands of sales associates in the field, and then inside sales associates, et cetera, to support them. And so it's it's one network across multiple districts of outside sales reps who have direct relationships with the contractors that we serve. And so our customer base is the plumber, the HVAC service technician, the builder, could be regional, could be national also waterworks. I mean, municipalities and waterworks contractors, we serve the commercial plumbing and mechanical space, industrial, fire and fab, the sprinklers that are in any, any building that you go into. And so we, we go very, very wide in our business, but it's all based on that national supply chain, uh, best in class product in the supply chain. And then the sales associates being able to help the customer solve problems, not just quote a list, but really get in there with the customer to understand what kind of product should we specify? How should we design for this job? And then being there when they need to place and transact that order.
0: Mm, Yeah, no, that makes sense. So for, I guess, on the venture side, now, this is uh, the venture side is meant to sort of bridge that gap and to find that next disruptive innovation and, and sort of identify opportunities. How do you look at opportunities? What's your kind of investment thesis when, uh, in terms of what Ferguson's looking for?
1: Yeah, so we're we're investing to support our customers. And so really looking at opportunities where we can help a contractor run a better business run a more efficient business, have access to new technologies, and, and really help them understand, but more importantly, win in the future. And so that that's around our thesis. So what we're looking at is different processes. So we we are invested in offsite construction companies like Blockable and Plant Prefab. To really understand how does Ferguson best support a off-site construction process, right? A lot of and 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 th- you know this very well. a lot of the construction that is happening happens off-site prefabrication and then it's shipped to the job site to to be uh, applied. And so we've invested in those types of companies so that we can better support our customers as they onboard more prefab and modular type construction. We're invested in Pazer, field service management for plumbers and HVAC contractors with a tool called Pazerware. So one of the pieces about running a, a more efficient business is having a SaaS platform that you can have your CRM, your scheduling, your mobile workflow, how you take payments. So really really tools that can help modernize a contractor and you know as a homeowner if you've got I mean, if you've got the ability to pay right when that that service tech finishes the job, those are just expectations that people have now. So how can we help our contractors choose the right software to run their business? A couple of other areas are around IoT and smart home and smart building. And so we really think about as, as the products that are in your home or in your property become more intelligent, they should be able to tell you when a when they need to be serviced, repaired or replaced. And if they can do that, then the equipment itself is beginning to communicate with a contractor. And so we've invested in a company called Whisker Labs that has a product called Team that monitors the electrical wiring of your home to predict faulty wiring, to predict fires. And so when that need occurs, the the Ting organization or the Whisker Labs organization contacts Ferguson and we help get a HVAC contractor with a licensed electrician out there to to solve the problem. And so really understanding how quality job demand can flow from a property and into our contractor customer base, again, so that they can can access that and run a, a more profitable business.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, if you're a smaller company trying to partner with the larger company like Ferguson, what would this, besides having a great innovation that fits in with the, the scope, what, what can uh, smaller companies do to, to be prepared for that? What's of materials expectations? Because I know there's a gap between yeah. some smaller companies interfacing with bigger companies. How does a smaller company prepare uh, adequately?
1: Yeah, I think... You know, so Ferguson Ventures invests in around Series A, so call it Series A to Series D. So we're a—that's still early, but we're a little later stage investor. So I'd say first understand where that, in this case, corporate venture group invests, and we invest in Series A because we're a channel to market, and so we really believe that if we can find the right founders and give them the capital and the resources that they need to win, we can be a conduit into the industry for them and help them get their product in front of customers. And we can together go solve problems in the industry. And so for us, if your product isn't ready to go to market, then we're not the right partner for you. That doesn't mean that I'm not having conversations with seed stage companies that are testing things out because that's cool. That's where the future is. And that's what's coming. But it's, it's good for you to understand where that corporate invests, because if they don't invest in PowerPoints, then it's not worth your time to talk to them unless you want feedback. If you're actually after the capital, I'd skip them. If you're after feedback and just trying to get on somebody's radar, that's an OK thing to do. And I would also think about coming in through the business unit itself. And so if a lot of the good deal flow that I get is from the business unit. So we're we're an LP, a limited partner in brick and mortar ventures and also in Metaprop. And so from a construction tech with brick and mortar and Metaprop and also other partners in the VC network, We've, we've got inbound coming in, right? And if it's coming from those partners, I'm definitely talking with them, right? Because they really understand what we're trying to accomplish because I speak with them very regularly. But if you're a startup and you're coming in to the venture organization from a business unit who is excited about what you're doing, that's a, that's a check in the box right there. And so a lot of the good deal flow that we get comes from our associates, comes from our business unit leaders. And so great question. I mean, thinking about it is make sure you know when they invest, if you're in that stage yet, and then try to come in through a channel, either their, their network through another VC or through the business unit itself.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. Now, yeah, I guess so. You get, you get your customers excited, the business unit catches wind of it and then sort of pushes it to you. That, that makes a lot of sense. Obviously, it always starts with uh, the demand side, right?
1: Yeah. Well, and, and that's it. I mean, Ferguson Ventures and Ferguson as a, a an investor, the value prop is around thought leadership. I mean, we've been in the industry for over 68 years. We've got a coast-to-coast business that could be the best go-to-market channel for a software or a product with our distribution network. And we've got customer relationships with probably more subcontractors than anybody in the U S. And so our ability to be a conduit is great, but the startup has to be at the right stage. Mm. And so that that's something that I bet with them. I make sure not to use people's time unless I, I think there's an opportunity. And so I'm really upfront with people. If, if it's just, Hey, let's circle back in six months to 12 months. You know, I think it's okay to say, love what you're doing. You own from the side. And then 12 months from now, if you get traction, you're in market, you have these things, circle back with me. Yeah,
0: for sure. So you said, you know, for instance, a value-add distributor. Do you vertically integrate any of your sort of product lines? Do you have some of that or is it, are you just purely focused on distribution?
1: So we do have some of our own, own brand products. We're not a manufacturer, but we have manufacturing partners. So we do have our own brand products like Signature Hardware and others. And we, you know, in some areas, we've we've got our own products, but the majority of our business is done through manufacturers and and vendor partners.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So and you've already touched on this, but I have to ask the direct question. How do you guys think about
1: Amazon and what they're doing and the effect on your business long term? Yeah, I think, well, if you look at Amazon, you got to first look at the B2C channel. I'm a customer. I'm sure you are too. I bet you have Prime and I bet you bet I've got Prime, right? I mean <laughs> So really when you look at Amazon, it's around the B2C experience first, because that's conditioning the customer, the end user, to expect certain things when it comes to a digital, a digital platform. And so, you know, if you start to build out a manufacturing capability and you have a a great app user experience, you get things in one day. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're certainly pressing in the, into areas in the construction industry.
0: Yeah, for sure. Now, from all this, the stuff that you've, you've done, what, what are you most
1: proud of? I'd say I'm pretty, pretty proud of the venture group that, that I stood up. And in three years, we've invested in seven startups and two venture funds. Wow. And so, you know, we've got a team at Ferguson Ventures that's very diverse. And so really proud of that team. It's a we've got people with business development experience, sales experience, marketing. We've got a service designer who is really, really accelerating our ability to understand the end user, work with our business units to scope out problems and and approaches really in organizations that we would need to support new services. And we've got three technologists sitting in, well, not sitting in, but in our innovation lab down in Atlanta that give us the ability to really understand when we're talking to startups, right? Is it vaporware? Is there something here? If we wanted to do this, how would we go do it? And so having, it's a team of six, but having a team that is Business development, sales, marketing, service designer, which is also customer experience, UX, UI, right? He's multi talented. And then, you know, product management, app development, and architect all on one ventures team. Mm. It's a, I haven't really seen it in a CVC like that. Mm. So, you know, we're a corporate venture group, but the value that we add to our business isn't just investing in startups we also help our business leaders accelerate a, a new offering or a new service that they're trying to get to their, to their market.
0: Yeah. It's almost like kind of sort of a SWAT team that kind of helps yeah. out and sort of pushes innovation through in the
1: organization in many different ways. Yeah. It's almost, I mean, it's like a, we parachute in. That's something that we're working on with startups. We support 757 Accelerate and Lighthouse Labs here locally in Virginia, our headquarters, and I'm based in Virginia. And so we're really coming in and supporting the startup community here. And we mentor startups. We mentor founders. We've got skills in our, in our company around supply chain and digital marketing and just different things that a founder needs to grow. And so we've got a, a small team that parachute in as needed spend an hour or two with founders on really targeted areas and help them right here in our community. Wow.
0: Sounds like a lot of fun. Now, do you have any other hobbies or other uh, hobbies that you take up? No,
1: no. I, yeah. Barbecue. So right. green egg. I like smoking pork butts and briskets and ribs and wings. Yeah. I got a three-year-old. So chasing him around <laughs> basically full time, but <laughs> yeah, you know, getting out, doing some yard work. What I've learned is when you have a, a three-year-old, cutting the grass isn't that bad. It's it's pretty nice to put a podcast on and uh, cut the grass. <laughs> oh, that's very cool. Now, is there, I mean,
0: we went through a bunch of stuff. Is there anything you want to sort of pass on to startups or anything that we should know about your background or what Ferguson's doing?
1: Yeah, I think I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. If if somebody wants to reach out and contact me that has a startup, has a opportunity for Ferguson, I just welcome it. I make time to have conversations with people. So, you know, even if it's 15, 20 minutes, right? That conversation could set up another conversation and another one. And and it's it's not all about, you know, Ferguson. It, it might not be a ticket for Ferguson or a, a right in our strike zone, but helping a founder get plugged into another area
0: I want to thank everyone for listening to specify today also want to thank the listeners who are working hard each day to change the world to make it a better place if you know anyone anyone that would benefit from this episode please pass it along and finally make sure you subscribe to hear upcoming episodes talk to you soon